Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the Christ the King Sunday or the Reign of Christ Sunday for the week of November 20th, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get in this week's podcast. And boy, we are now on the last Sunday of Luke being the primary gospel. We are ending the year C of the Revised Common Lectionary. And boy, it's amazing that we're at this point yet again. We're at this point of recognizing another church year going by. And it's to me, it's always so interesting on how fast it goes in so many ways that here we are, we'll deal with some harder texts. We'll also get into a little bit of the history of this Sunday because I think there's a little bit there that we need to look at. And we'll dig into some history in general that I think we need to be able to put into context. And I think it might be actually helpful with just as we are living through history, as people keep phrasing it, as we're going through this period of time that at some point will be written in a history book. And I think that's going to be a fairly long chapter. I think there's things that we need to be able to look back and look on the past, look at how, as people, we've learned and grown and not forget that stuff, but use that to help influence and help understand where we're at at this point. So let's look back to the question for last week. The question for last week is, where do we need to let go? And this can be taken personally, as a community, as a church community, as a nation, as a world. Where do we need to let go? And I think one of the comments that we got back this week that I think is so important is how difficult that really is. We like control. We like holding that. We like the idea of being able to feel like this is our thing. And yet what we realize is the more we let go and let others help or give things away, the more and more we're like, this is what God was initially intending for us to go through. And I'm feeling that with my position to be a little bit personal. As my job has kind of expanded, we've hired someone to kind of help me as an assistant. And it's been one of the most difficult things for me at this point is how do I know what can I pass off and what do I need to hold on to? And there's so many things where I like having my fingerprints in them, but I'm also realizing that I don't need to have my fingerprints in everything. It's okay to have things happen where I have minimal contact and that's okay. There's a bigger thing that's going on. And I think that's something within our own lives that we have to be able to reflect on a lot. And it's also part of, as a faith community, even in parts of faith, there's in life. There are certain things that define us at different ages. And as we grow, we realize that those fingerprints need to fade away a little bit more year by year, time by time. So let's just jump into it this week. This is an interesting week because the Old Testament text is the same, but we have alternative psalms this week. So we have two different psalms and quotes. So let's just jump into it. The Old Testament reading is from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 to 6. And so this is a warning text coming from Jeremiah of people who are scattering the sheep or scattering the people and how God is going to be bringing people to bring them back together and bring righteousness back. So this idea of how God is this shepherding image again, but is bringing people back together. This idea of having the flock come back to be able to multiply in that way. One of the alternative 
quote Psalms is from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 79. This is the section of scripture where Elizabeth is giving praise to God and recognizing the amazingness of what has happened. It sounds similar in certain ways to the Magnificat from Mary, but it's it's definitely different. This is one where she is, look at the Lord and how he spoke favorably and is blessing the people of Israel. This mighty Savior coming from the line of David and has been spoken through the prophets. And then look at how God is fulfilling the promises of what has been said and that this is going to be a way of light. This is going to be a person that is going to guide us. And in this place, it's talking about John the Baptist. So this idea of how God works through what seems to be the most insignificant, a child at this point, but is going to be leading the way for something even greater. This idea of what God does and God fulfilling promises. The other alternative psalm is Psalm 46. And this is looking at God, again, in more of a dependence way. This idea of God being a refuge and strength, a very present in times of trouble, that even as things are chaotic and crazy, that God is still there and God is in control and that it's God who is making time move and continue to be in this place of movement. And coming from verse 9, he makes war cease the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields of fire. And it's that God is in ultimate control of everything that's going on. The New Testament reading or second reading is from Colossians chapter 1 verses 11 to 20. This then is recognizing the inheritance of what we have walked into, that we have been walking into this inheritance that is also of redemption and forgiveness because we are part of this family. And looking at that and recognizing that in the way that, what does that all mean for us? That we have been welcomed into this church family that loves us and realizes that things have already been taken care of for us. And how then do we live that out, recognizing these things? The gospel text that comes for this week is from Luke chapter 23, verses 33 to 43. This is... The crucifixion in Luke. This is where we have they being more of the crowds, which could include the disciples, but how you have people scoffing at Jesus, saying, you know, if he's the king of the Jews, let him save himself. He saved others. You know, this is his time as they're, you know, mocking him, giving him sour wine. And in all of this, one of the criminals who is hung next to him repeats these lines. The other is stating, do you not fear God? And he, in a way, understanding that he hasn't done anything. We are deserving of things and he hasn't done anything. He asks for Jesus to remember him as he goes into his kingdom. And Jesus responds with, very truly, I tell you, you will be with me today in paradise. So this idea of what the people at the time, man's understanding of what was going on and what was actually going on were different. This complication that that can come, and that's kind of some of this theme that we have tying through these, but it's this understanding of how God works and how we work are different. We see this again in verse 34, 
Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And yet then they're casting lots to divide the clothing of Jesus so there is nothing left. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week to do a shameless plug full. Working Preacher, your favorite internal working preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their sermon breakways, podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not a day minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction for this podcast. I love not only the commentaries, not only the podcast, but some of the other discussions that go on over there, plus having an amazing archive to go through multiple years of these. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy it because of how they lay out the text, along with art, prayers, hymns, even getting into the liturgical colors. If you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd also highly recommend that also. As I stated at the beginning of this podcast, we are in the end of year C. Next week, we will begin year A, which means we are moving into Matthew quickly. But before we jump to Advent, we have this last difficult text here from Luke. And I think in order for us to really get the most out of this, we have to recognize the history of what we've gone through here. So the Feast of Christ the King or the Christ the King Sunday is something that comes more out of the Catholic side of the faith and it has been kind of integrated into some of the different Protestant religions that follow kind of the liturgical calendar. And this is one of the newer holidays within the church. And this comes from Pope Pius XI, which instituted this holiday in 1925. And the reason that Pope Pius did that is you have to remember what is going on in the world at this time. The Pope is in Rome and the Pope has just gotten through World War I and is noticing a lot of nationalism that is already starting to come up. And again, you start having these countries, and especially us being on this side of where this is, you have Italy starting to gain some monarchy power. You start having Germany starting to feel some of that monarchy power, the collectivism within the government, anti-church at this moment. And so suddenly you have this Pope decreeing this holiday to recognize that it's not of human control that we are on this planet. It is in God's control of what is going on. That it isn't about whatever national pride or whatever things that we have, that it's God who is in ultimate control of what is going on. And I think that's one of the things that we have to know and recognize to really understand the depth of what we are trying to get at here. And that's when you take that framework and are looking at then these texts, it makes a little bit more sense, these collections of texts that are together. To find a science tie-in for that, I have to give a shout out to my mother this week. She sent me something. She's a fairly loyal listener of this podcast and occasionally will send me different things to be looking at, thinking about, because she knows that I'm doing this stuff. And I really appreciate it, Mom. But this week, I think she hit it out of the park unknowing where I was going to take this. And she sent me what she was talking about, one of the first citizen science projects on the face of the planet. And we'll get to that part of the story. And it's very true. But it's also this recognition of, I think, a more modern version of what Christ went through on the cross. That we sometimes are interpreting things because of what we have gone through and because of 
recency bias or a narrow vision and miss the bigger picture. And sometimes the bigger picture takes more time in order for us to get into. So let's talk about the night the stars fell. So this happened in 1833 in North America. And to lay some of the context, when you are reading through like Mark and some of the text talking about potentially when Christ is looking to return, there is these poetic ways of phrasing these different events happening. And again, at the time and where the people are, certain people were taking these quite literally. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to be looking at, but it's also recognizing that there's sometimes more there. But there have been some different natural events that had happened that had made things a little suspicious, especially when we get to the meteor shower of 1833. So what it happened is it is estimated anywhere between over 26,000 meteors an hour to upwards I've seen the numbers no one was really taking accurate notes of this but the numbers that I have seen from this event in the 1830s are absolutely astronomical on the number of meteors they anticipate possibly were falling and what was what's happening is it's this Lenard's event so it's within our world our orbit of the sun we hit this Lenard's band of a lot of space debris if you want to put it that way space rock and what happens is that we've calculated usually about every 33 years we calculate there is a storm as we are going through this meteor band and what happens when we have a to classify a storm is where you are getting more than 1000 meteors an hour and this seems to be that in this 1833 event, there were meteors in excess of 240,000 in nine hours. I've other estimates estimating over 100,000 meteors an hour. This huge meteor storm. And if you can read newspaper articles, in fact, there are different people like Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Abraham Lincoln, who are all talking about how they thought this was the returning of Christ, the falling of all these stars, and recognizing that this was the beginning of the end, that they this was the end times, but it was an event that filled the sky. There is different journal articles on how people could have read the newspaper with how many were falling and how bright the sky was. One of the people who took a lot of care and interest in this event was Denison Olmsted and decided to start collecting different pieces of information from the newspapers and different people, again, the citizen science part of this, and then in January of 1834, publishing, talking about how this was something that was seen in the United States but not seen in Europe, and thought that this was meteors that were from a cloud of particles within the space. This was actually fairly accurate, and we then see that there have been other accounts 
of these major meteor events, like I was talking about with having more than a thousand meteors an hour to classify a storm. And again, in 1866, the most like more recent one where it was a fairly large one was 1966. So this idea of every so often we have these major events of Leonids in this meteor shower as we pass through. And depending on when you're listening to this, take a look because around this week, actually, we are expected to have the peak of this storm season as we are passing through this part of our orbit. How does this relate to the text? And to me, I feel this is actually a fairly simple one. The people at the time were recognizing the death of Jesus as the death of the human part of Jesus. And that is very true. Jesus had done a lot of healings and all these different things, and the people were wanting another miraculous show. Again, this interpretation of Christ riding in on a horse and this great battle king and yet comes as a child. It's a yet again this idea of Christ do this miraculous thing. And yet Christ did a miraculous thing, just not in the way that we expect. And here are all these people mocking who have this expectation of what Jesus is going to do. And yet there are still a few people who are questioning. And in this case, it's the criminal in Luke's gospel next to Jesus who is questioning the other criminal and questioning just why is everyone mocking this person? I don't see where this guy should be getting the death that we are getting. Remember, crucifixion in the Roman Empire is the ultimate death. It is too cruel even for a Roman citizen to go through. To recognize then what Christ was doing for us and this connection of what Christ was actually doing, that's where to me you look at the Colossians text and start realizing and taking grasp and hold of what that is. The psalm in Psalm 46, but also the recognition in Luke 1 for the other alternative psalm are recognizing the power of what Christ was doing for us and what Christ will do for us in the foresight in those texts, kind of recognizing this. And again, Jeremiah recognizing that this God of righteousness is going to be bringing people back together and not the scattering of the flocks that have been going on as the tribes of Israel have been taking over and scattering the people time and time again. I think at times we get caught up in the same thing. We get caught up in this idea of how, what does it mean right now for us instead of thinking over the period of time and a long scope. I do find it interesting hearing and thinking about it from why the Pope even instituted this holiday to begin with, to recognize that God is in control and not us, and how often we want to have that control. We want to be the person who is, this is what's going on, the buck stops here type of mentality. But yet it's God who is the one that the buck stops with, not us. That God is the one that even when we don't understand what is going on, God still makes and moves in a way that we don't expect and suddenly look at this, God is actually in control, not us. I can imagine being in 1833, going outside and seeing just an elaborate array of meteors filling the sky thousands per hour and thinking, this is incredible how bright this is, this and having read my Bible, knowing my Bible, thinking, yeah, this is the end. What happens next, I don't know. But yet, in this case, there was more going on. 
there wasn't necessarily this was purely a sign from God. This was, no, this is something that you will be going through and enjoy it. Recognize that this is something beautiful that I have created for you to be able to enjoy. And to remember that whenever you think you have things figured out and think that you have things in control, I'm still in control. As we go through the Leonid's band right now and its orbit, that we be able to recognize the beauty of looking up, the beauty of seeing the stars shooting across the sky, the beauty of recognizing that we have an atmosphere to be able to chew up most of them so that it doesn't hurt us, that it's actually for us just a beautiful, a elaborate show to actually watch and enjoy. How often it is for us that we get caught up in the current moment and try explaining everything in the current times instead of sometimes taking that wider approach, taking the approach that takes more time, taking the approach of gathering research, figuring out that Europe wasn't going through this, figuring out, okay, was it a certain area that we were going through and yet it was for a short period of time that we were having this and putting together a theory that potentially and actually did in this case hold up fairly well. Having a hypothesis and going through that scientific method and thinking critically. And that's sometimes it's harder work. Recognizing bringing things together, working together with people is hard work. But it also helps us to be able to understand God at a broader picture. Being able to see how God is actually working in the character of who God is. And to realize there's only so much that we can control. As much as I want a meteor shower in the northern hemisphere in June so that I can sit out and enjoy it in shorts and a t-shirt, I'm not going to have this band come through in June. It comes through in November, and right now outside my window it is snowing. So I'm not going to be sitting out there in shorts and a t-shirt. So I have to just be able to enjoy it as God has intended it, because I am not in control. God is in control. I think, and it's one of the things that I really try avoiding in this podcast, is realizing it's so easy to slip into political fodder. And I think, honestly, as people have listened to me, there's probably times that my political bias probably sneaks out. But I try keeping it in check. But I will also say with this, I think this is a great reminder text, no matter where you are on the political scale, wherever you are in the world. I think this one, Pope Pius XI, had a point here. I think Pope Pius, to remind us at the end of the church year that God is in control no matter what is going on, no matter what our political identities, no matter where we are on the political spectrum, no matter what is going on in the world and life, that God is the one in control. And are we thinking about it in a long-term focus or are we thinking about it in pure individual standpoint? Because I think so often... We get caught up in the here and now and forget about where God is working in the long term. And then we ask where God is, and I think a lot of times God is in the long-term plans, and we aren't spending enough time thinking about those. And that's what gets hard. God works at a different time horizon than we do. Do we spend enough time looking at the long horizon of faith instead of the short horizons of faith? That's your question of the week. Do we spend enough time looking at the long horizons of faith instead of the short horizons of faith? Because I think this text helps remind us of this. Because we know, being on this side of the cross, that this wasn't the end of Jesus. And as we read the next few verses after this, Christ is crucified. And it appears to everyone there that this is the end 
of Jesus Christ. Us being on this side of the cross, know that this was just the beginning. This was the beginning of a new dawn, of a new relationship that God was creating with us. And as we are moving into Advent next and recognizing the beginning of this Christ story, this transitional period that was going on within the world, I think we need to remember that, that God works on these long horizons and we love spending time looking from mountaintop to mountaintop, these just quick, fast horizons, instead of what is the long-term focus of where we're trying to go. It's hard. It's difficult doing this, but it's essential because those are the horizons that God works on and we're trying to understand our creator. And if our creator works on those horizons, why aren't we spending more time looking at those horizons? This is what is so important. And if you think about it, the ability to be able to recognize that we are going through this amazing meteor cloud of space dust every November is fascinating. It is fascinating. The peak they are predicting right now, I've seen anywhere between November 17th and 18th for 2022. If you're listening to this later, check out, there's a whole season where you're going to have more as we are going through the Leonids and having more meteor shower activity. But that took time. It took time to look at a longer horizon and the research and time it took to look into this to understand it. And I think that's important within our faith, within our life, but also recognizing that that's the places where God works. And honestly, that's when science itself works at its best is looking at long horizons so that we can better be able to understand, maybe predict, but actually be able to adjust then how is this then going to affect things and leading into additional research. This is what's so amazing. This is the culmination of the faith and it's such an exciting period. And as we move into Advent, move into a new church year, I think it's time to reflect and amazing on how far we've come, but also realize we are nowhere near the end. There is still so much more to understand and to grow and to do. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.